episode number 19 of Travels with Squeaky. Travels with Squeaky is a podcast for solo women RVers, campers, and van lifers, and I'm your host, Kathy Belge. In this episode of Travels with Squeaky, I talk with Ellen, the dog trainer. Ellen is a certified professional dog trainer and certified behavioral adjustment training instructor. She also lives full-time in her 25-foot RV. Ellen and I had a great conversation about pet etiquette while camping, as well as some training tips and what to do when you encounter an aggressive or unruly dog. She had some really great information, some of which I hadn't heard before. So let's listen in. Okay, Ellen, Ellen the dog trainer. Thank you so much for agreeing to be a guest on the Travels with Squeaky podcast. Oh, it is my pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. It was way more than agreeing to. It was like, heck yes, this this is fantastic. Thank you so much. Well, this is great. And so, you know, a lot of us are out here traveling with pets. And so I thought it'd be great to have a dog trainer on. We can talk a little bit about pet etiquette and how to keep our little furry ones safe while we're out on the road. So um, I want to dive into all that, but before sure. we get started, I want to hear a little bit more about your travel story, how long you've been on the road, what you travel in. Sure. All of that stuff. Well, I, I'm, I have uh, some theme dressing going on. I know uh, the audience, you guys can only hear us, can't see us, but I've got my happy camper I see t-shirt that. on. Yeah. yeah. Feeling, feeling really good about this lifestyle. Uh, so my background, my, um, my background is I, you know, had a house, I rented, I had an apartment. Uh, I moved to, I was living in Los Angeles where it's where I'm, I'm back right now in LA, Long Beach to be specific. I don't know if anybody's okay. ever stayed at Golden Shores RV Resort, which is a really lovely RV park. It's super, super clean. Uh, the people here are nice. The staff is great, but I'm looking at, you know, the exit ramp. Uh, oh, okay. Probably, you know, 50 feet from my window. Uh, and in order for it to be super safe, there's, you know, like prison fencing around the joint. So no disrespect to Golden Shores. But uh, mm. anyway, I don't know how I got sidetracked on that. Oh, because I was living in Los Angeles and yes. I, I was done living in Los Angeles. But I was, <laughs> well, hello, sir. This is Skittles. Skittles might be Let's joining see. us. Today. Yeah, apparently this is great. I'm <laughs> Yeah, hang on two seconds. Now you'll get to hear hear trainer in action. Okay, let's see All you right. in action. Okay. Thank you. That's a good quiet. Okay, so my story happens to be I was living in Los Angeles and uh, I had moved to Sedona, Arizona, where I thought I would, I was, you know, maybe potentially going to live there for a while. But before being there, I had always wanted to live time in an RV. Prior to the one I'm in now, I had purchased a 1992 Tioga. It was in perfect condition. Wow. Okay. But, you know, screamed 1992 though, right? Mauve and floral. And, and uh, I called her Tinker Tank because she rode like a tank. And I was always tinkering with her uh, aesthetically. Uh, anyway, I'd had her. Um, I donated her to a women's shelter before I moved to Sedona because my family was like, you can't live full time in an RV. And I was like, hey, you know, maybe I can't. And yes, I can. No, I can't. As, as so many mm-hmm. of us go through, right. Yep. That, uh, that idea. And, and it is not one that is very often easily, you know, accepted. Um, so anyway, fast forward, um, moved to Sedona was missing tinker tank, couldn't afford to do apartment and motor home again on my own like that. 
So I said, family, I love you, but I got to do this. And I searched for a year. I found what I'm in now, which is a 2015 Thor Axis. It's like the big Volkswagen bug kind of uh, RV. It has that big bubble window. It's 25 feet. Okay. I love it. It's great. I take it everywhere. It's easy for me to go to a, you know, just about uh, knock on wood, you know, any, any spot to park grocery, gas, post office, because I don't tow. I don't okay. tow a car. I had, I, it came with a tow package. Um, I bought it used from this awesome, awesome couple out of Oklahoma. Uh, it, it, everything in it was just, I mean, barely used. Uh, it came with this beautiful tow package thinking I'm going to tow my Honda Element. And as it turns out, the year of my Honda Element was not able to be a flat tow. So uh, I was like, well, okay. let me see what life is like without, without, you know, an additional set of wheels. And man, it has, it's been just fine. Sweet. So uh, that was, yeah, that was 2019. I okay. uh, like some. So tell me, is this a class C or a class A or B? What kind of a van is it? What kind of an RV is it? Uh, it's a class A. It's the little class A. Okay. So it's, yeah, with the 25 feet, it's, it's the littlest of the class A's, I think, before they become class B. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's, it's perfect for me and my dog. You and your dog. Okay. And so after Sedona, you decided to hit the road, yeah. uh, but you said you were taking some time to get ready for this lifestyle. So what was involved in getting ready? Yeah. And, you know, for in who might be brand new to this I know it served me well what getting ready looked like was um purging you know just being I, I was uh I, I did a month long or three month long um lease you know at, at, a, at a park in Cottonwood Arizona mm -hmm. it allowed me to learn about my rig um, to decide, you know, what do I really need to have with me and what is best donated or sold or, you know, maybe in storage. I have a, a five by 10 store unit where I kept, you know, like antiques and, and stuff that, you know, I, I would like to have in my life again, if or when I'm off the road uh, and, and, and learn from the other people in the park. I learned mm. so much and was so embraced by, by the, the people there. Um, and keep in touch with so many of them. That's one of the, the beauties of this lifestyle uh, for everybody who's even listening, you know, to be connected and to support each other, especially women, solo women out there. Uh, it's, it's a community that I just feel so blessed to be a part of. Sweet. Awesome. And that's a great idea I, of just going and hanging out somewhere for three months to learn. I, I haven't heard anyone doing that. I've heard people like getting in their RV and just going. So that, that's a great, great advice there. It helped me. It definitely helped me. T uh, Tinker Tank that I referred to earlier, mm -hmm. um, I, I called, it was like my $7,000 bathroom. Um, you know, <laughs> <laughs> because traveling, you know, I, I like to have my own shower, but I like my yeah. own bathroom and, you know, all as so, you know, the comforts of home, so to speak. But I was like, I don't know how to do black tanks. I don't know how to do gray tanks, you know, fresh water. What do you, what, you know, what is all that stuff filtering water into my rig? And that allowed me to really get comfortable with the stuff that made me nervous uh, uh, Yes. before. So yeah. Great. Awesome. And do you have a name for your current rig? 
she is called Zippy. I did not name, I did not name this rig. Uh, Zippy came from the people that I bought it from um, out of Oklahoma. And they okay. called, they called the rig Zippy because it does zip. It goes very fast, very easily. So I have to be careful when, you know, when I'm out there and the speed limit is 80 miles an hour that I'm not actually doing that. Well, great. That's cool. So you, um, you were a dog trainer before you hit the road. Is that correct? I have never stopped being a dog trainer. Yeah. Yeah. I've been very fortunate that I've been able to continue in this career path. Um, It has certainly morphed and, and, um, you know, become a little bit different than what I was doing. You know, it had, was a very, um, like a lot of businesses, you know, worked in person, but I had always worked online. Um, I was fortunate enough to be involved with a trainer who developed a a method that um, helped dogs that are reactive or overreactive. And I worked with her almost from the get-go very closely. And the method was well-received all around the world. So I got very comfortable working with trainers all around the world with this particular technique. And then sometimes I would, you know, have clients here and there that were virtual, but no video at the time. It was, you know, pretty much over the phone and email. Okay. Um, Yeah. And then, uh, you know, fast forward to what technology allows for us to, you know, have and to do our business. Um, I adopted that. So even before COVID, I moved into my rig and my business was structured where I would be teaching courses. And uh, um, so I really was focusing on that and not so much in-person private clients. It was a big part of my, it was all my business at that time. Um, then so the COVID, kind of courses that you purchase or courses where people come to a classroom? Oh, thank you for clarifying. It was where people came to a classroom. Okay. I taught at, some of you might be familiar with Best Friends Animal Society. Oh, the, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So I, I taught a course there, not for Best Friends, although the Best Friends staff, some of their staff participated in the course. But it was a course on behavior adjustment training, this, this method that I specialize in mm-hmm. and uh, trainers came and, and we worked there for a week. I did a course in Denmark. I did a course um, in, uh, well, I had, I had other courses scheduled and, and then COVID hit yes. and it was like, <laughs> yeah. um, and so, yeah, but the opportunities that it, it afforded me was that then private clients just regular people, you know, with, with their dogs going, Oh my gosh, I need help. And, and, you know, my dog's not going away, but I can't have you in my home. How do, how does this work? And, and it, and it did. So I started just having a lot of private clients as did many dog trainers out there. Mm. And that has still been a part of what I'm doing, but now that, that teaching trainers um, has morphed into another type of opportunity Uh, for learning. And I'm working on a video library of tutorials, educational materials, handouts, workbooks. And I'm doing that with uh, two trainers in the UK, a trainer in Los Angeles, and it's going to come out here at the end of November. So I'm super excited about that. So now you're training trainers. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Which is what I've been doing for for a while now, but I still have my private clients. I still have I'm, I'm, I'm just, you know, thinking of my time in campgrounds and yeah. I'm wondering if you ever pick up clients on the road based on behavior that you're seeing. Oh, I could be sometimes busy all, all day long. <laughs> um, so, you know, in my years of doing this, I, um, well, the short answer is yes. Yes. I have been, um, 
fortunate to meet some really awesome families just by being in a situation and feeling comfortable saying, you know, would you like a little help with that? And then being open to that. Mm. You know, people don't go around saying, you know, would you like help with your children? So, you know, it's not really my place to to do that with other people's dogs, um, unless I see, you know, something that's really distressful for both of them. And, and then sometimes I'll step in. Mm. Uh, so yeah, so yeah, I yeah. had people in person um, at the parks for sure. Yeah. Okay. So I but know most, most reach me online though. Most of them All right. reach me. Yeah. Through, through my website. So it's, it's, so your business, you're able to take it on the road. It's not dependent on you being in an RV, but you can do it from wherever. Yes. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. That's great. Yeah, It's wonderful. That's great. So I know as a campground host, I've seen a lot of situations out there where, um, people, well, let's just say problematic, um, sure. pets and pet behavior or, or human behavior, most likely. Um, I'm just curious if you've also witnessed that and maybe some of the most common problems you see out there in campgrounds. Uh, I, I do see it. Um, but my eyes are my eyes are trained, you know, to see things, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm sure anyone who specializes in a particular field, when you are out in the world, you know, you're going to see stuff. And um, so, yes, I, I do see, you know, dogs in great distress and owners in great distress and not knowing what to do. Uh, well, let, and, let's talk about some of those. Let's hear sure. some of the things that, you know, obviously I don't want you to do free dog training, but maybe you can give us some tips and tricks about ways that people who are traveling with dogs can make it less stressful for everyone involved. Oh yeah. I, I, listen, I am happy to disseminate information because that's going to, that's going to help the dogs. That's going to help the people. Um, if, you know, you guys are listening to this and your takeaway leaves you with one thing that, that will enhance your relationship with your dog or help to lower their stress level, lower your stress level. Fantastic. Awesome. That is, you know, that makes me smile. Um, so, you know, some of the tips for, you know, when you are in a campground is, you know, setting you and your dog up for success. Right. So behavior you know, we put a lot of pressure, a lot of responsibility for the dog to, you know, behave, right, to figure out how to behave in a particular situation. And in our lifestyle, especially for those of us who do move on a fairly regular basis, even if that regular basis is once a month, that can be really challenging for your pets. Um, because arousal increases, it's new smells, new textures, new sounds, uh, you know, everything is brand new to them. And, and their, their olfactory senses are so much greater than ours. So yeah. that smelling is like, Wah! their hearing is so much greater than ours. Um, everything is just really enhanced for our dogs. And so, you know, going into a new spot can be very exciting. And, and that can lead to arousal or it can be really, you know, stressful for the mm -hmm. dog to figure out what to do. And same with the guardians with the humans. So right. my, um, you know, my advice is, you know, identify if there, if you see your dog having a particular problem, 
one of the most common problems is barking. You know, my dog loves to vocalize. He is mm. he's very effective with his voice and he communicates really well with me using his voice. Um, sometimes that's a real pain in the butt. <laughs> uh, and, and um, you know, and I acknowledge that. So let's talk about barking now. Yeah, let's, let's talk about it. Yeah, and with all dog training, you know, everything really starts with, like I said, setting people up for success, setting them up for management. So if you allow your dog to sit up in the cab and look out the window and bark as dogs go by, then the more opportunity they have to do that, the better they're going to get at that barking. Mm. And often the function of that barking is, is, um, you know, sometimes it is their form of enrichment. You know, they just like, they don't do anything else thing else all day, but just sit in the cab and bark. Uh, Sometimes there is concern about people going by. Um, If they bark as people are walking by and then the people keep moving that some of them might think like, yay, you know, awesome. I kept those people, you know, out of my rig. Woohoo. So um, I encourage folks to take a look at that. Is it best to, to give your dog the opportunity to bark? Um, you know, looking out the window, is that really serving, you know, the best need for them? Or can you meet those needs elsewhere? Can you, you know, make sure they have a, a nice enriching walk where they're using their nose so their uh, pulse rate is lower and they come back and have a really nice sleep? Um, can you use food puzzles? Can you play games with them? Can you teach them fun little tricks? All of this stuff that's going to help them then, you know, go to their bed, go in the back of the cab or in your RV or wherever and sleep. Mm-hmm. So prevention is the first place to start, but you don't just prevent one behavior and not expect another behavior to happen. Mm. So, you know, what does not barking look like, right? Uh, and defining what will, what would that look like and how can we get there? Uh, so I'm a big fan of closing blinds, you know, using, um, you know, if you, if your rig is large enough to have some sort of a barrier that keeps them in the back, comfortable, you know, cool, um, enriched in other ways. Um, and don't worry so much about giving them the entertainment of looking out the window. If, if indeed all that does is have them bark their heads off. Okay. Uh, routine guys, routine is, you know, routine is helpful for us, right? Do you have a routine, Kathy, when you go into a new site, what's your routine? Well, when I, when I pull it, I mean, with my, when I'm traveling with my dog, yes. So as soon as we start backing into a site, she gets excited. She starts bouncing around, trying to get out the door before I'm even backed in. Um, and then, you know, as soon as we get there, I usually let her out. I put her on her leash, let her explore a little bit while I get everything set up. And then we usually go right for a walk. Awesome. Yeah. And, and to have that routine, you know, it can really help your dog go, okay, here we are. This is, this is, I know this is what's going to happen. This is what we're going to do and keeping to that. And, you know, even if you have a cat or you travel with a bird or you don't travel with any animals, you know, we have our own routines too, when we, when we go in and just recognizing that that can really help your dog um, just, just have a foundation, no matter what the landscape looks like. Um, I'm a big fan of using, uh, ex- exercise pens. Oh, okay. You know, yeah. I was going to ask you, that was one of my questions. Do you prefer an exercise pen versus a leash, uh, or a tie out and why the tie outs, um, 
you know, can be fine for most dogs. If they are clipped to a harness, mm -hmm. uh, then a tie out, you know, can, can work for a lot of folks. Uh, the, the danger in clipping it around their collar is the dog could um, obviously have a neck injury very easily. People really minimize um, the sensitivity of a dog's neck, their mm -hmm. trachea, uh, especially those little dogs. So we just want to be really mindful of sudden, you know, Yankee moves with a collar. Um, although my dog prefers a collar over a harness. So I'm not saying don't use them, just be aware of it. And yep. so an exercise pen gives your dog the opportunity to still say, stay safe and, you know, stay on property, but has the, the, the ability to, to move around, to lie down. It's a little less risky in terms of injury. Um, and so that's why I prefer the exercise pen. Gotcha. Actually with Olive, um, since she is a little dog reactive and small child reactive. I used both. I had a pen and a leash both. <laughs> so just an oh, extra sure. layer of protection with her. I love so, it, Kathy. I yeah. love it because um, you kept her safe and yourself safe. So and other good. people and other dogs safe. Yes. Yeah. 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 All those things. All those Which things. is what all you know for those of you who have dogs that are that are reactive, that is very often the root of the reactivity is is safety. Mm -hmm. Is safety. Um, you know, some of you may want to dig into the polyvagal theory or neuroception if you really want to get into the weeds or applied behavior analysis. But, you know, at the end of the day, most reactivity is all about, I just, I want to feel safe. I need to be safe. How best can I do that? And the behavior that a dog will exhibit isn't always the one that we want. Um, right. The analogy that I give is, you know, if you've seen in the movies or in real life, two people who are getting ready to have a physical confrontation, a fight, let's say a bouncer, you know, at, we're watching a movie and there's a bouncer and there's a nightclub and the bouncer, you know, puffs up their chest and gets in the face and points and mm -hmm. goes towards, goes towards the person, but says, get the heck out of here. And our dogs are no different. That lunging, that barking, that rah, 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 and going, towards something is because it can be very effective to make that scary thing back up to increase distance and distance is what they're looking for. And so, um, you know, uh, when it comes to, you know, um, behaviors that are rooted in reactivity and helping our dogs feel safe, how best can we do that? Cause it's usually why, why it's happening in the first place. Yeah. Awesome. Hey, that's a, that's a, uh, brings me on up to another question. What's the best way for us to prepare our dogs for travel, whether it's in an RV or whether it's to go camping or oh, whatever? Uh, yeah. You know, um, I would say if you, before you hit the road, um, I would have your dog spend time you know, in your trailer, in your RV, in your van, whatever your home is going to look like, uh, have them spend time there. You know, you spend time there, whether it's, you know, in your driveway or if possible, right? Uh, so they get used to those smells. If it's brand new guys, make sure there's a lot of ventilation, not only for yourself, but definitely for your dog. Because like we said earlier, you know, they just smell so much uh, more, you know, than we do. And a lot of that new material can be really overwhelming. So make sure it's really well ventilated for your dogs. And that first experience is a pleasant one, is one mm. that it has good associations. That's true for almost anything in a dog's life. Um, that first impression to be a good one. Same for us humans, right? Right. So um, that can easily be done, guys, by, you know, feeding your dog their meals in the rig, uh, giving them, you know, yummy treats, hanging out with them, uh, maybe driving 
around the block so that they um, get the feel for what it's going to sound like, what it's going to feel like as the rig is moving. For safety tips, you know, a lot of people like to use crates inside mm. their RVs or inside their cars or trucks. Those are fantastic for helping to keep a dog safe, keeping them, you know, confined so they're not in your lap, compromising, you know, anything like that. Um, of course, you want to make sure your dog is comfortable in a crate. Uh, don't just, you know, throw them in there and expect to, you know, all right. things to go well. So you want to condition them to feel comfortable in whatever confinement you decide is going to be best for them and for you. Uh, getting them prepared for the trip, um, you know, make sure your food can stay the same as it has in a, mm. at, at home, whether you're a weekend traveler or you're a full-time traveler. Uh, and so, you know, anything that they're, they're used to in a brick and mortar, as best as you can try to replicate that in your, in your home. Um, mm -hmm. But the outside of that, safety tips for outside of that, as you mentioned, Kathy, you know, having your dog on a leash, mm -hmm. right? Um, certainly in a campsite, it's, it's the rules, you know, just like in a city, there's a six foot law leash. That is typically the case for most RV parks. And we want to be responsible. We want to honor that. Uh, and, and so making sure they're on a leash then that way, you know, they also can't run up to strange dogs or skunks or right. coyotes or, you know, anything like that for the little dogs. If you guys are out there camping, you want to be aware of birds like owls and, mm. and, uh, you know, hawks and eagles, um, you know, a leash can be a wonderful management tool as long as, you know, you still allow your dog to be a dog and move to sniff and explore and investigate and, you know, check everything out. Sniffing lowers their pulse rate. Uh, it is a very calming, relaxing behavior for dogs. Uh, the, the more you allow your dog to sniff, the more calm your dog will most likely be. Now, some sense, you know, can create highly aroused behavior, but, you know, for the most part, it's going to be really beneficial for your dog. So I encourage you to do that. Make sure your leash is loose if you can, you know, either train for a loose lead or use a long line that allows your dog to move around and investigate. Um, I do not allow my dog to drink water that I haven't provided. Uh, mm. That includes streams, creeks, puddles, lakes. And that's because very often they can contain parasites, you know, right. just like we would not be drinking from a lake. Mm -hmm. um, you know, our dogs, uh, it's a great way for them to get Giardia and Giardia right. can be transmitted to humans. You can get Giardia. So nobody wants Giardia. No. Um, uh -huh. And our cats too. So I'm a big fan of making sure the water source, you know, is what you have provided. And that it, you know, it's, if it's good enough for your dog to drink, it should be good enough for you to drink. I think I said that in the right order, you know, yeah. uh, because not all, all, not all RV parks have, you know, really uh, safe drinkable water, right. uh, or at least, you know, what, what I'm comfortable with saying is safe. Okay. Um, so make sure, you know, water and temperature, right? Oh yeah. Let's talk about that. Now I have a device in my RV um, that monitors the temperature and will send me text alerts if it gets too hot. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, um, I, I have that, well, had that too. I, I loaned it out and I didn't get it back and I have yet to get a, a new one. Um, where I was at, uh, it was always super 
cool. So I didn't have any of those concerns, but mm -hmm. that being said, um, it is on the list to get, cause I, I know I won't be getting that back. I, I think it was called temp stick is the one that I used, which is fantastic. Be great. Yeah. I have something called the waggle, but I know there's other brands out there. Yeah. So important. Um, and I leave my windows open and the, the thermostat set to come on, um, you know, if mm -hmm. needed, I, I don't leave, I leave windows open. Um, I know that some folks might have a safety concern about that. Right. Um, I, I, I don't. Um, okay. Yeah. And knock on wood. <laughs> right. So yeah, temperature is really important. Dogs get very hot, very quickly. It doesn't take much for them to get hot. I know we're cruising into winter guys, but um, it's, it's just really important to understand their sensitivity and um, to make sure that they're nice and cool, that they're not going to get overheated. And that's it for your hiking too. I mean, part of, you know, part of this lifestyle is very often going outside, right? And, right. So, um, you know what, since you brought that up, there was something I noticed in one of your videos where you said, um, this is their walk and I'm here to keep them safe. And I just thought that was a really different perspective because I think a lot of us, especially if we're hiking or whatever, we're like going on a hike, but we're bringing our, you know, our dog is kind of coming along with us. So I'd like to have you chat a little bit about that philosophy. Oh, I love that that resonated with you. Um, yeah, it, it is. It's their walk. You know, we're here to keep them safe it, because very often I need to go take the dog for a walk. And, you know, what does that look like? Well, the dog wants to, you know, stop and sniff for mm -hmm. 30 seconds. And that is an eternity for people. Yeah. And, but if you're taking your dog for a walk, if that's what your dog, you know, needs or wants, or, uh, you know, needs or wants, I guess, mm -hmm. allow that. And it's safe. It's safe for them to do. Allow that experience for them allow them to have that walk that they would have maybe perhaps if you weren't there, but you are. And, 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 and it builds the relationship. It enhances your relationship with your dog. When your dog starts to see and experience and feel you being in tune with their needs in something that most dogs, you know, typically enjoy. Mm. And that is, that is the walk. So if they stop, I stop. If your okay. dog stops, you stop. They stop for a number of reasons maybe they smell a coyote, you know, up ahead, mm -hmm. or they hear a coyote up ahead. Maybe they hear the tags of a dog coming and they don't want to get close to another dog. Uh, and we miss that, especially if we're, you know, texting or chatting on our phone or whatever. Right. So they communicate so clearly with us once we kind of put those glasses on and see it. So to keep them safe means, you know, if you see a dog coming and it's, it's a dog that you don't know, just simply, you know, the best move always is to create space, create some distance, even if your dog loves to meet other dogs, and you have, you know, a dog that is um, very comfortable and friendly. Most dogs, again, like most people don't approach every stranger and strike a, a conversation. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's a wonderful skill for our dogs to have even if they are super social dogs to be able to pass by another dog without engaging. And the best way to do that, guys, the best way to do that is to create space, create some distance mm. because then your dog isn't drawn into that kind of magnetic field of, Oh, but they're close. They're close. They're close. Please, 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 please. Or 
oh my God, oh my God, they're getting close. I don't want them to get close. Let me, you know, bark my head off to make them go away. So, um, and then that when, when that behavior happens, we tend to feel embarrassed by it and, you know, right. oh, he's a rescue is usually, you know, yeah. Him, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, his name is Snoopy. Oh, he's a rescue. And that's so, yeah. un, you know, you know, your dog or, or, or how about, how about the classic, Kathy? Tell me the classic. What's, what's the line that people say? Uh, the one that I always hear, which, which always irks me is my dog is friendly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> or people ask, yeah. I hate, you know, oh, is your dog friendly? I'm like, yes. uh, and then I have to say, uh, not really. <laughs> I know. Isn't that, a, isn't that an icky feeling? Because yeah. your dog is super friendly with you. Yeah. Your dog is wonderful in so many different ways, right? Yes. Just in this particular moment with that particular dog, my dog is going to behave in a way to keep him safe or her safe. And, and uh, that's what dogs do. Right. So instead of world, if you know, as you're listening here, guys, it's, I would encourage you instead of, you know, is your dog friendly? Uh, or instead of no, he's not, or no, she's not. Start by just saying, would you like some space? If you, if you feel like you're, you're not going to create space without asking, just ask the question, would you like some space? And the person on the other end who may or may not need that space has the opportunity to respond. If they have a dog that typically overreacts, mm-hmm. what might their answer be? Yes, yes please. <laughs> and now you know what to do. And it has nothing to do with the dog's personality in totality. It just happens to be they need a little bit of space. And if you have that dog that needs space, you can instead, as you see somebody approaching, just hold your hand up and say, you know, hang on, we're in training. Can you give us a minute so we can create some space? Mm. Start there, start there. And then if you are, you know, in a position to feed some treats or scatter treats on the ground as the dog goes by, fantastic. Great advice. All right. So let's talk about these off-leash encounters because, you know, in campgrounds and whatnot, we are definitely on leash, but then we like to go hiking on trails or maybe at the beach yeah. Uh, where we want to let our dogs run because they're yeah. dogs and we want to let them run. And, um, and, but we don't necessarily want other dogs approaching us when we're on these, this, these off leash areas. So what advice would you have for that kind of situation? Sure. Well, anytime you're going to do um, anything with your dog, that's new, a new environment, uh, a new behavior, um, we won't talk about new food, but let's talk a new environment or new behavior. Here's the golden rule. Um, management first, take a look at the environment and is your dog going to be set up for success? So in the off leash areas, uh, you know, can you go at a time of day where the likelihood of running into, you know, another off leash dog uh, is slim to none, choose that instead. Mm. Uh, even if it means you've got to get up earlier or maybe yeah. you're out a little longer. Um, if you, if, you know, learning how to use a nice, really long line can help give your dog the experience of being off leash without necessarily being off leash. And that way you might be in a bit more of a position to, you know, help get them out of a situation. Uh, if you have a dog that's overreactive to other dogs, it's best to probably have them on that long line. Um, now, when you, know, you say a long line, would a flexi leash qualify for that? Oh, that's a great question. Technically, yes. 
okay. because it's longer than six feet. Um, the challenges with the flexi lead, I love, I love the intent. I love the, you know, I love the intent of using a flexi, but, but anyone who has used a flexi for a while knows what I'm going to say. Um, they can, they can cause injury. You know, you can get sliced, your dog can get very easily tangled. And if you're trying to teach a loose lead, there's constantly tension because of the nature of the design. Mm, right. Right. So, however, Hey, listen, you know, uh, if you're, if you can hang on to that flexi, so it doesn't get out of your hands and go zipping towards your dog or, you know, get tangled up, um, then, and you're comfortable with it, then use your flexi, uh, and, and maybe just consider using, you know, a, a regular kind of rope lead that's longer, but anyway, back to trying to get to the, uh, the yeah. meat of the question here, yeah. um, teach your dog a very reliable recall. Mm-hmm. So, fancy way of saying, you know, make sure your dog will come to you uh, no matter what. And that's really important, especially hiking. Super mm -hmm. important, right? Yeah. Um, be aware of those seasons when there's going to be rattlesnakes. Um, again, you know, your little dogs think about what's above as well as down below. Um, but teaching a, a really good, reliable recall every time they come back to you, you know, the best things happen in the world. Uh, refrain from scolding your dog if you're upset with them for having been gone too long because that will make them less likely to want to come to you in the future because they've gotten scolded right so mm -hmm. even though inside you are seething because again you didn't feel safe you got nervous your dog was gone too long be grateful that they have come back and reward them for doing so if you have an off-leash dog that's approaching you and you're concerned about what that looks like there's you know, a couple of different options. Yeah. Let's hear those. If you are in an off leash park and the, you know, other dogs are allowed off leash, then it's your responsibility to keep your dog safe and you're, you're posing that risk. So you can't really get mad at a dog approaching you. Right. Right. If you are in a spot that's not off leash and an off leash dog approaches you, then that's kind of a different situation. But either way, if you want to keep a dog away from your dog, um, I'm a big fan of taking a handful of treats. So you're going to have to, you know, make sure you got a treat bag with you, mm -hmm. take a handful of treats and throw them at the dog's face. The other dog, the, the other dog. dog. Okay. Great. The dog that is approaching. Yeah, you're not going to hurt them. You're not throwing rocks. Uh, you know, it, they're treats. Right. And if in, in an off leash park, um, you know, again, if it's a dog park, you're technically not supposed to have food. So right. there's that consideration, but hiking or a beach, someplace like that, mm -hmm. I would toss food at the dog because very often the dog will stop and go, what? And, and then may, you know, start to investigate what's on the ground. I, I have used that in a neighborhood and it has worked. What a um, great idea. I love that idea. Cool. You I'm going to adopt that now. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you can create a barrier. If you want to travel with an umbrella, um, oh. you can open up an umbrella and place that between uh, your dog and the off-leash dog. Again, make sure your dog has gotten used to a, an umbrella opening up in front of them so they don't freak out, right? And run away. Yeah, uh, yeah, that, yeah, good point. <laughs> that can be a barrier. Um, yourself can be a barrier, you know, if need be. If the dog is aggressing, is mm -hmm. clearly, you know, showing signs of, you know, wanting to do harm. Um, if they are, let's say, in a, 
in a, a high fast prey drive mode, mm-hmm. there is probably, you know, the, the he- there will be probably a little, little to none hesitation. I say, I want to be very careful though with what I'm saying here, because every dog is unique. Every behavior has its own little nuances for each individual dog. Um, But a dog is really fast. And so um, you want to be aware of, of that. But most dogs, most dogs will create a whole lot of noise offer up some really significant body language before they will make contact with your dog. Mm -hmm. And that body language will indicate whether or not, you know, this is aggression or whether this is a dog that's looking to create space. Remember? Right. Just get the heck out of here. And if you can create space by backing up, right with your dog, luring your dog away with a treat, you and your dog creating space, that is your first line of defense is to create space, you know, then find a barrier, use a barrier. Um, Throwing those treats can help to create space, right? If the dog is staying put, sniffing for treats, you can create space with your dog and and, um, move away. Awesome, great advice. Is that clear? Did that make sense? Yeah, that makes great, that makes great sense. Thank okay. you. Thank you you're, for that. You're, yeah. You're welcome. You know, there's, there's so many different scenarios out there. So, uh, and I do want to, you know, put out there that um, again, each dog is unique. I, there's never a guarantee with behavior. Mm-hmm. I can't say that these things, you know, absolutely will work. You want to always be very um, aware of your own dog and the situations that you're putting your dog in as best you can, but those are some emergency tips for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So what about, um, let's say I'm at a campground and, you know, I notice the, the, the campsite next to me leaves their dog in the RV and it barks and barks and barks all the time. What kind of advice do you have for that situation? Oh, that is a tough one. And, um, and it's so much more common than I think people even know. Um, you know, that's a sign of a dog in great distress if it, um, I would tell the people when they come back, are you aware that, you know, this is happening? Um, Mm -hmm. make sure that they are aware of it. If it, if it's happening on a daily basis, you can call the local animal control and report them. Sometimes that's what people need to, to hear their dog, you Mm. know, crying out for help. Um, because barking nonstop is typically, you know, a high level of distress when left Mm. alone. Um, and, uh, you know, so do they take the dog with them? Do they hire dog walkers to come in and, and break up, you know, the, the hours spent inside the rig? Uh, do they work with their local veterinarian to figure out, you know, what else might be going on with the dog and how can that, uh, that assist them? Um, do, you know, do you make sure your dog gets a really, you know, nice long walk or training session, play time with you, something before you leave, which can help settle them. And then, you know, it can go into a much more detailed training protocol if it really truly is like separation anxiety where the dog has yeah. to learn to, that they can be okay without you, but that's a very systematic kind of approach to doing that. But playing, you know, dogs, we talked about noise sensitivity. My dog mm-hmm. has noise sensitivity. Um, and being aware of that. So if you can leave something on your, your TV, turn on a radio, an iPad, play music, Mm -hmm. 
there is uh, iCalm. It's a music service that plays music that's recorded specifically, you know, to comfort a dog. Anything that will help to drown out the noise um, that will help them relax, give right. them something to chew that's safe that they won't choke on, leave them frozen, you know, stuffed Kongs. There's lots of things to do to kind of help to um, alleviate that stress if it's not a much more um, involved problem. Right. Okay. Which is all great for the owner, but as a, as the, um, the, neighbor. the observer, the neighbor. Yeah. Um, it's distressing, isn't it? It is. It's hard. Yes. I remember being, uh, when I was a campground host, there was a situation where we just had this dog that just was bark, 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 bark. And, and, uh, you know, the campers were coming to us complaining and, there was nothing we could do as campground hosts because it wasn't quiet hours. Um, so there was nothing we could do, although I did speak to the owner and she, you know, she was, it's not the dog was, she was there. It wasn't like oh, she they, was there. She was there and just let the dog bark and bark and bark. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that was an interesting situation. Yeah. Sure. That's, that's much different but clearly yeah. a dog's still in distress just yeah. for different reasons um yeah. but you know what kathy i would say for any campground hosts who are listening um i think you can still call your local animal control yeah okay and uh report the the um noise mm -hmm. uh, and they'll get a citation and you know not that i want to go around getting people in trouble but if it's because you know they are ignoring a dog that's clearly in distress then they should get in trouble yeah yeah. Okay. Thanks you for know, that like advice. A, a con, let me, you know, a, a constant state of distress. A constant, I mean, our dogs are going to have moments of distress, you know, where we're not paying attention and that's, that's life. Yeah. But a, a constant, you know, with respect yeah. to what we were just talking about. So yeah. Clear on that. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Good to know. Um, so I want to pivot for a second here. Um, a lot of women who are traveling solo think about getting a dog for safety reasons. And I want to hear your thoughts about that. If you think having a dog along to keep them safe is a good idea. I love it. Yes. I would say my, my very fast short answer is yes. Yay. Okay. If, <laughs> you know, if you, you know, if you want a dog, right. Right. Yeah. Um, you don't want to be the woman we just spoke of and right. I'm just going to have a dog and I'm not going to, you know, learn about dogs, understand what my dog's needs are, uh, you know, care for them. There's, you know, you have to budget, you have to make sure you can get their feet, you know, their meals on the road. Um, you want to make sure they're, you know, vaccinated. What's going to be your vet? This is more for like full-timers mm -hmm. uh, versus people, you know, who go out for short periods of time, obviously. Um, but all of that, you know, is involved and can, you know, budgeting, budgeting right. for all of that. But yeah, I would say a resounding hell yes. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Great. Does it, it doesn't mean your dog's going to, you know, keep people out of your, out of your home necessarily, but why not? I think it's a good deterrent. I definitely think it's a deterrent. Absolutely. Especially with the bigger dogs. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. Yeah. But I also think you need to consider that's going to really change your style of travel because like you said, the walk is for the dog. Then your trip really becomes more about what you know, making sure the dog is safe and not necessarily all the things that you'd want to do. If you're in a cute little town and you want to go, you know, into a museum or something, but it's 90 degrees out, you're not going to be able to. 
yeah. if you're traveling with a dog. So um, that is also something I feel like people need to consider. It's definitely dictated the way that I travel having a dog. Oh, yes. Yes. Thank you for bringing that. You know, thank you for bringing that up. It, it does. I mean, we're not truly solo. We are, you know, we have our companions. They just happen to be, you know, of the canine variety. Right. Uh, their needs matter too. Yeah. Um, but, but wonder, you know, such wonderful companionship and you with your cat guys, you know, I saw yeah. cat, his cat come on the screen earlier. I'm glad my dog didn't see. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. He, uh, he would have been like, Rrr. um, not that he has prey drive. He's a, he's scared of cats, but, oh. uh, you know, having that, having that companionship is just, uh, I think really wonderful. I feel so yeah. blessed to I don't know if, you, like if you saw me pull out my camera, but the kitten right now is completely passed out with her head on my laptop while we're talking. Oh. So <laughs> I had to take a pull out my camera and take a picture of it. But yeah, so traveling with a cat for me now, um, I think some of my listeners know I do have a dog, but she's getting quite elderly. And, and, and that's something that I had to do. I had to come off the road because of my dog, because she's no longer comfortable traveling. Um, and so that is also something people need to consider is, is when their dogs get to be too old for, to feel really comfortable with traveling. Like, what are you going to do? Oh, I'm so glad you mentioned that. Um, not only the senior dogs, but any dog really. Yeah, this has been a really, really helpful and great conversation. Ellen, thank you so much for coming on. Is there anything that we didn't get to that you think is important for people to know about traveling with their dogs or maybe some kind of etiquette that we didn't talk about? Mm, I, I think we covered it. You know, I would love, I, I hope what people take away from this conversation and thank you again for inviting me on. I, I, what I hope they take away from it is that um, to see their dog I know, I know, so I know all of you listening, see your dog with love and care and compassion. And that is so beautiful. And how is their life on the road um, enhanced as yours is, you know, naturally, is it, um, you know, allowing more sniffs on those walks? Is mm -hmm. it taking into consideration? Is it best to have them look out the window or is it better that, you know, I do a lot of stuff with them and then they go for a nice nap. Uh, here's another little tip. Dogs need, you know, a good solid 14 hours of sleep in a 24 hour period. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So some of you may have heard, you know, an, an, a tired dog is a good dog and that can be true, but an overly tired dog is very often, you know, an overly reactive dog. So when you've got those long travel days, you know, is your dog getting enough sleep? Make sure, you know, after a long travel day that if, if at all possible that they, you know, have the time to recuperate and rest. Um, but meeting their needs as you meet yours on the road can really just blossom into a very, very fulfilling adventure. Oh yeah. There's nothing like traveling with a dog. I feel like there's so many places I've seen that I wouldn't have gone to if I didn't have to stop and let my dog out for a walk, you know? So yeah. Uh, and the sociability that's how, you know, we got connected by another one of your guests yeah. because, you know, we were walking our dogs. So for those of us women out there and men who are traveling solo, 
you know, our dogs are, are wonderful. You, you know that already. It can be a really wonderful way to engage in a conversation with someone that perhaps you would may not have. And who knows where that will lead. Exactly. Yes. Good points. Good points. Thank you, Kathy. This is Ellen. Thank you. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll uh, list all the ways that people can find you and get in touch with you in the show notes so that if people have further follow-up questions or want to inquire a bit about some specific training area, then they will be able to get in touch with you. Hey, that would be awesome. Yeah. Ellen, the dog trainer, Ellen, the dog trainer.com. Here are my key takeaways from this week's episode. Number one, routine is important for your pet, whether you're on the road or at home. Number two, make sure you ease your pet into RV travel and that their first experience is a positive one. Number three, it's our job to keep our pets safe, not the other way around. Number four, Make sure your pet has a reliable recall before you let them off leash. And number five, put yourself in their paws. If your pet is having a negative reaction, think about how you can redirect them to a more positive behavior. Thanks for listening to another episode of Travels with Squeaky. You can find more content for solo women, RVers, and campers over at travelswithsqueaky.com. And if you like what you've heard today, please consider leaving a review, subscribing, and sharing with a friend. It really helps us and means a lot. Travels with Squeaky theme music is Field Station by Nicole Potolsky. And if you have a person you'd like to see interviewed, or perhaps you have a travel story you'd like to share, email us at info at Until next week, see you out there on the road. Mm-hmm.